0: Hello and welcome to Birth Trauma Training for Birth Workers. I'm your host, Dr. Erin Bauer, clinical psychologist and coach, mother of two traumatic births myself. This podcast is all about helping the helpers and supporting and training birth workers to feel connected and confident to navigate birth trauma. Advocacy and activism starts with conversations. My legacy is not going to be one of sitting around and saying, oh, well, that's just the way birth is. We can't change the system. Let's raise our voices while raising our vibrations. Trauma work isn't all dark and shadow. We can find light in without making light off. I want you to find growth, passion and purpose. Go back to the love, the joy, humanity that brought you to birth work in the first place. This podcast is also available in video format, where guests have said, yes, let me be visible. Head on over to my YouTube channel, which is Dr. Aaron Bow. Now, before we start, if you've been enjoying this podcast and you're listening on iTunes, can you hit pause for a second and leave me a review? I want these stories and support and messages of hope and growth to reach as many people who are interested in birth as I possibly can. Now, to do this, I need reviews. Reviews help the algorithm and they show the podcast to more people. There is no money in this for me. This podcast is just a small part of me being the change I want to see. It's also an excuse for me to shift out of mum life for a, you know an hour or so and have meaningful conversations with other grown-ups who are not quite as invested in fart jokes and paw patrol. I love stories. This is why I do what I do. This is why I do this podcast. Sharing stories can be such soul medicine. I really do believe that as healers and helpers, we cannot walk this path alone. We need support, a sounding board, and a circle, either a physical one or a metaphorical one for storytelling. Before we start, I wanted to remind you that I now have two birth trauma courses available, and at the time of recording this, Birth Trauma Training for Birth Workers has 500 people who've enrolled. Since I made the decision to make it more affordable and accessible, it's really started to take off, and so I thank each and every one of you who have shown up to do this work. The other course I've just launched is for birthing people. It's called More Than a Healthy Baby, and it's a three-part course. So the first section has information and education about birth trauma. The second part is all the practical tools and strategies, so that's direct face-to-camera teaching. And the third part is where I cover pros and cons of different support options and where to for further help. It's not a replacement for therapy, just like the other course, but it is something that's accessible and available at 3am when all you have is your phone for company. Suicide is still the leading cause of death in new mothers and people don't always pick up the phone to ask for help, but they do pick up their phone to scroll. So if I can help in some small way by making sure that useful self-directed content exists, then that's something. Both of these courses are hosted through a platform called Udemy. You can sign up for an affiliate for both if you want, which means that you'll get a unique link to share, and it means that if someone buys the course using that link, you get a small percentage of the sale. Both of my courses are currently under $100, so it's not much, but it is something. If that's something you're interested in, go to the Udemy website, I'll link below, and look up the process for becoming an affiliate if you're interested. My guest today is another Erin. Erin Underwood is a movement therapist from Oregon who specialises in prenatal and postnatal health. We talk a lot on the podcast, I know, about psychological trauma and injury, and so I thought it was timely to talk a bit more about physical trauma to the body. We chatted about movement and taking a whole body approach to trauma, both for birthing people and for birth workers. Erin is passionate about education around pelvic floor and core strength and function and she's studied extensively in these areas. She's currently focusing on serving her local community through workshops to the prenatal and postnatal community as well as local birth workers providing them with up-to-date science broken down into practical and helpful tools. She's done a lot in this area guys because like a lot of us Her own experiences have informed the need to find out the why, the why and the how. So Erin also has four beautiful boys and some personal experience in the areas that she's passionate about. She's had prolapses. She's had a four finger diastasis recti and she's healed it using the tools that she teaches in her movement therapy. She comes from a core value of the birthing person's right to understand their own body and teaching how mind and body and emotions and spirit are all connected. And what I liked about this chat is that it wasn't in any way like you're doing it wrong or here's more stuff to do, Sermon, because we don't need any of that at the moment. It was really accessible and compassion-based, which you know I love. Good morning. How are you going?
1: I am I'm doing well. I am hanging in there and I am doing well. <laughs> with some bumpy places and some not doing well and I'm yeah. embracing all of it and we're just moving through it.
0: I know it's that thing of people keep saying we're all in the same boat it's like eh, we're not quite all in the same boat but it's the same storm, a same ocean, same struggles I suppose. Exactly. Yep. Oh, so for people who aren't familiar with your work do you want to give us a little bit of an idea of How did you come to birth work? What drew you to it? Why do you do what you do?
1: Yes, absolutely. So I am a functional movement coach. I'll get into exactly what that is in a minute. I have... Coached movement. Okay, I'm gonna. This sounds really weird. I I don't feel this old, but I've been doing (laughs) almost 20 years. Um, But I started when I was 15. So (laughs) I started in more the athletic realm. I coached gymnastics. I coached swim team. And then I grew up and I had babies, and I had four babies in mm. five and a half years. Oh, yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, I did. And they're all boys, lots of fun, keep me busy. And after the fourth, my body broke. Um, mm. I felt like I fell apart at the seam. So I had a diastasis recti, which is that separation of the abdominal muscles, I had a pelvic organ prolapse, which is where your pelvic floor muscles can no longer support your organs. Mm -hmm. I had severe incontinence, which meant anytime I tried to run, jump, laugh, laugh, sneeze, uh, pick up my baby in a not braced way, I would leak urine. Mm -hmm. I had really bad chronic SI joint pain, which is that really deep low muscle in the back, the joint there. I just had constant pain in my lower back neck and shoulder like headaches all the time I felt like an old lady and I was 30 mm, yeah. and um like I could just sit down and tell you about all my ailments and I, was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went to my OB and they just kind of shrugged me off and mm. they were like well you're a woman and you've had babies so what do you expect basically Ooh, awesome. <laughs> um awesome. I was like oh fabulous so thank you for the help not really mm. uh so I was real depressed. It's really interesting the intensity that we experience pelvic floor and core dysfunctions. It's really different psychologically than like if you broke your arm. Mm. There's this narrative that it's especially broken and especially hard to rehab. And it's like this really special injury where you're probably never going to recover. And which, you know, when your obese shrugs you off and says there are no solutions, Um, it's really easy to feel that way. So, I mean, fetal position, ugly, like, really I was in a bad place mm-hmm. and so and then my hormones were wrecked too but that's yeah we had that in as well
0: why not
1: yeah <laughs> just to make everything really fun uh and so then I had four at home at the same time and you know every five and under the newborn and it was just a disaster and so I just after fetal position crying being a wreck I decided uh, like the this researcher fixer in me like Snapped and I was like, I'm gonna figure this out. So I went yeah. to research mode and I was like, I'm gonna find a solution. Like, this is not right. This, there's something like we wouldn't have survived as a species if birth broke us. Mm. And so mm. I was like, just something instinctually, intuitively inside of me was like, there has to be a solution. Like, this can't be. I had babies, now I'm broken. Mm. And so. I love that. I researched and I came across several different, uh, they became my teachers, where they talked about movement and they talked about functional movement and more of a lifestyle approach rather than um, handing me like, oh, here are the five exercises that you need to do to fix your body. It was very holistic. Let's look at how you're breathing and moving Mm. and sitting and incorporate functional strategy into what you're already doing you're a busy mom like I didn't have time to work out on my mat like an extra hour a day and like yeah looking around do yoga poses like I you know that would have been awesome but I just wasn't going to happen in my life at that point and it still doesn't um and and I was able to over the course of a year completely heal and be asymptomatic from all of my symptoms so my diastasis was closed my prolapse was completely healed and mm. I can run jump laugh be, play on a trampoline do whatever I want with my body and play with my kids and be the mom that I want to be now without having like I'm not planning my life around where's the closest bathroom mm. so where i was like now i figured out what i want to be when i grow up so then i (laughs) do this functional movement coaching that i do but it's pretty holistic and it's pretty it also takes into consideration the emotional side of things so it's fabulous i love what i do
0: Mm. and it's amazing timing because we were saying just before we started recording that I guess I talk a lot about the neck up stuff because that's what I'm training. And yet the movement side of things, even just the, when trauma is used to mean physical injury, that affects so many people as well. So being able to talk about it kind of, again, that word that's so overused, but yet so important more holistically is super, super, super important. So I guess there's two trains of thread for where I wanna go. One is thinking about birthing people after they've given birth, actually even before birth, but just why movement and looking after your body and all that sort of stuff is important and what you can do about it if you're struggling. And then talk about birth workers who we know are on their feet all the time, lots of nervous system activity, how to really get back into that embodiment kind of stuff. So if we start with the even just that question, I suppose, why is it important? After birth, that you don't just go back to your OB at six weeks or just your midwife, which is not to say like just. But why do we need more? Why? Do, why is there? Why is that important?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I think even starting with that whole idea of six weeks, then you're cleared, is good to maybe question. Hmm. I don't believe after nine months and after having a placenta-sized wound inside of your body if that placenta size wound was on the outside of you no one would assume that you're going to be back to normal in six weeks
0: mm, that's no nice one, visual. No that's
1: one nice would assume visual. that you're going to just bounce back and like because it's i mean when women deliver their placenta you see it's it's mm. beautiful And it's an organ and it is big and that is detached from the inside of you. And that is the size of wound that you're working on healing Mm -hmm. um, on top of a whole bunch of other things. But that, I love that visual because I think we have this idea because everything's internal. We, Mm -hmm. it's so easy to forget, like, that's, what's going on inside. Like there's a ton of work that's happening. Plus if you're going to be breastfeeding or even if you're not like everything Mm -hmm. hormonally is shifting and you're adjusting. And so one, I'm a huge fan of at least looking at, okay, now you're in your fourth trimester, like at least 12 weeks, if not more, um, rather than six weeks. And then really realizing that you might need a little bit of rehab and that's okay. Like bouncing back and your body isn't supposed to just jump back into, you know, your skinny jeans and now you're going to act like you didn't have a baby. Like Mm. you'll get there. And it's, those are great goals. Like I'm not against any woman having any physical goals. If you want a flat stomach, like I will do everything I can to support you (laughs) with that. Um, that's not necessarily my highest goal. I mean, I'm all about function and like, let's help you live your life the way that you want to live it and feel really comfortable and strong Mm. in your own skin. But when we realize like there are, what I love to do is celebrate how powerful small things are. Mm -hmm. So when I have a new mama that I'm working with, I'm talking about like, let's optimize your breathing. Like let's talk about how your breath can one be really effective for your whole body. We can use your breath even to support your core and pelvic floor. We're Mm -hmm. not jumping straight into like, let's do crunches and let's do planks and let's do these really intense things. And yet so many women when they optimize their breath, all of a sudden are feeling their core wake up, feeling their pelvic floor wake up. And now they're able to start building on really small building blocks, but those small building blocks are really what can be really powerful and strong foundations. So Mm -hmm. I love supporting women in that space, but I think the first thing I always love to talk about is like giving them permission to be like, the goal isn't for you to do like a push up or a pull-up next year or next Mm -hmm. week or whatever. Like we're gonna just help you recalibrate because I think a lot of women after birth too it's like I just feel foreign like I don't yeah. even feel like myself anymore and I don't even feel connected to myself like I feel like a whole new person mm. and that can be dis. like it just can be discombobulating like wait who is this like now I technically it's me but it doesn't even feel like me and so I love to use movement as let's use movement to get to know yourself again Like, Mm. let's reconnect with your pelvis again. Let's reconnect with your core again. Let's reconnect with your breath. And suddenly you're redeveloping that relationship of communicating with body parts that have been maybe distant or disconnected or in ways where it's just been very different. And Mm. now you're getting to know yourself again, but through movement and movement can be a really powerful tool for that process.
0: I think timing wise at the moment, this is another thing we we're sort of briefly talking about, and I can't quite remember the stat, but general strokes are that a lot of people in this current crisis, their sort of gym membership, PT, whatever, any sort of movement, it's often been one of the first things to go. So it's interesting thinking about, I suppose from a <laughs> when people get really stressed, what do they value kind of thing, but the uptake of movement, exercise activity whatever you want to call it at the moment seems like it's not very high what are your thoughts about why that might be happening and how do we sort of move to the next phase once we're out of the survival mode because i guess for me i'm not all about saying well here's more things to do last thing right. <laughs> parents need is more things to do but i guess i do find it interesting again at the stat whatever it was that the 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 amount of people dropping out of physical activity, exercise, whatever you wanna call it, movement. I don't like the word exercise, I have to call it movement. That's just Mm -hmm. me, it's a little. (laughs) But that can be helpful for people thinking, ah, okay, movement is just moving your body and that your body wants to move. Without getting into the like, oh, well, we should be doing this and we should be doing that. What are your thoughts about why, I suppose, that's just completely gone off the radar for people at the moment?
1: When we are experiencing trauma or we are experiencing anything that's really high stress or high anxiety or high, big, just lots of emotions, the it is perfectly normal and natural to want to turn inward.
0: Mm-hmm. And that
1: inward motion can be physical as well. So if you think of the psoas muscle, the psoas muscle is a muscle that is in the back of the body underneath the rib cage. It attaches on either side of the spine and it wraps around and attaches at the base of the pelvis where the top of your leg bones are. Mm -hmm. So that's what pulls you into the fetal position. That's what pulls you into that. It's called the fight or flight muscle. Mm -hmm. So it can get triggered and hold a lot of emotional tension if there's trauma, and it can pull you into that fetal position. So one, it's a perfectly normal and natural response to go into a safety zone position of like, this is my safe spot. I don't want to be exposed because when you're standing upright, again, every, the whole front side is exposed. When you're curled into that fetal position, it feels more safe. It feels more controlled. It feels more uh, protected. And so the other thing too, is again, it's one more thing. Mm-hmm. That's how movement is presented i again, I don't use the word exercise as much as I use the word movement because exercise is presented as one more thing. so I like mm-hmm. to talk about how a lot of times our life are we look at everyone gives you a there's a separate box for everything there's this box for your kids, there's a box for your mm-hmm. marriages there's a box for your mental health there's a box for your physical health there's a box for your spiritual health there's a box, box for like there's just so many different boxes mm-hmm. and so when you look at Physical exercise, so often that box just is like shoved to the back of the line. Like yeah. I have so many other boxes and they're actually sometimes boxes inside of boxes. You know, when it comes <laughs> to your kids, it's like, now I'm homeschooling and now I'm, you know, feeding them. And now I'm doing all this and this and this. Mm. And so when it comes to that physical movement, it just a lot of times gets shoved to the back. And what I love to teach is talking about one again, delineating between exercise and movement. Like it doesn't have to be the separate time in these separate clothes in this separate space that you have to somehow figure out how to make that happen in your mm. life where you're like, that's just not going to happen. Yeah. And then, okay. So maybe I can incorporate it into other things, but also realizing like we are one body. Like I don't believe that you have, the mental box and the spiritual box and the physical box and the emo- emotional box. Like we don't, we are one being. And so everything affects everything else. So when I'm doing my physical work, my spiritual and my emotional stuff and my psychological stuff, that all comes to the surface and that all comes to into play when I'm like, Ooh, what if I go into this position and some emotions come up? okay, well, that's interesting. I get to mm-hmm. explore that now rather than saying like, wait, this is my sp- sp- physical time. I shouldn't be doing any spiritual or mental work right now. Like <laughs> that's for a whole different time. Or maybe my mental stuff stirs up something in me where I have a ton of energy now. And I'm like, I just like sometimes I just need to swing a kettlebell. Mm-hmm. Like for my energy like my spiritual like I don't even try and delineate anymore I just call it energy and it's like when I feel it in my chest and it's like I just have really big energy whether it's negative or positive sometimes I need to sit still and breathe and meditate and sometimes I'm like I just need to move my body mm-hmm. and I need to swing something big in a you know, in a way that's safe for me where I know I'm not going to injure myself uh, or I need to just run down the street and back and sometimes I'm like, I don't even know what, how my physical body moving in a big way fixed it, but it fixed it because Mm -hmm. I was able to move that energy. And so sometimes when we can present it more in that way to parents of you crawling around on the floor and playing Legos with your kid, that counts as movement. You, Mm -hmm. um, going on a walk with your family, that counts, like, you did it, good job, like, Mm -hmm. and where we celebrate these small things, and realize it can be incorporated into our everyday life, and then it's actually multi-purpose, because I don't get to experience full freedom, unless my body's a part of the equation, Mm -hmm. like, I can't just mentally, like, like you were saying, from the neck up, I can neck up it all the time, and I mean, Mm -hmm. I love my therapist, he is a godsend. I, <laughs> I mean, like he is on speed dial. Like I am not at all like one is better than the other, but they no. work so well in tandem.
0: Mm. Mm. Okay. I think let's do some of the the thoughts that might be going through some people's heads. So for some people who are in a position where they've had a big tear, they've got incontinence, maybe there's a prolapse, maybe there's muscle separation, there hasn't been necessarily a whole lot of, um, I don't know, help with that yet in terms of like, well, if it's not the like, pat on the back, poor love, you know, you had, I mean, I had a little bit of that, the like, oh, this baby's kind of ruined your body, <laughs> poor love kind of thing. But almost as you were saying before with the like, yeah, well, this is what happens you know you had a big baby oh you had a big tear or you had whatever but the person who's still sitting in that like oh, i can't hear what you're saying but like where do i even start what do i do who do i go to see how do i know what's safe to do someone who's sort of still in that like oh i'm entertaining the idea of what you're saying is what do you mean i can heal my muscle separation what do you mean i can do this and not pee myself like
1: <laughs> Might be though.
0: That's all very well good for you, but you must be some unicorn over there. So let's start talking people through the early, early strokes of like, okay, how, how do we get from that point to like mythical unicorn lady over here? Who's actually
1: <laughs> <term>. <laughs> how do we do that? Absolutely. I always start by acknowledging an egg and just really wanting to hold space for the fact that it's very hard mm. and that it's very emotional. And it is not an easy journey towards healing. Like I, anyone who comes at you and says, do these five exercises five times a day for two weeks and you're going to be healed. Those are the unicorns. Like Mm. if that did work for anyone, those are 100% unicorns and it can be really discouraging when that doesn't work for you because, Mm. um, You know, when you click on the little ad and it tells you to do the little things and you actually have a little bit of hope and then it doesn't work. Or maybe, I mean, a lot of times, honestly, when you're on your pelvic floor, especially rehab journey, certain things can make it worse. Mm -hmm. So you are diligent and you try to do the thing that you think is good for you. And all of a sudden now your symptoms are like three times worse. And you're like, I mean, it would have been better off if I'd done nothing. Mm -hmm. So it can be incredibly discouraging. So um, I always recommend one. That this narrative that you need a professional, this is where I want to be sure I'm clear on what I'm saying because I love professionals and I'm going to uh, list a few that your um, listeners, if they're interested, would be very, very helpful for them. But women should know that they have the right to understand how their body works. And I, we live in a culture where so much of our understanding has been outsourced to professionals mm-hmm. that we feel like we are incapable of understanding our own bodies mm-hmm. and that especially the pelvic floor and core are really kind of wrapped in this shroud of mystery. Mm-hmm. And like, it would take you years of you know, research to understand what's going on in your body. So just trust me. And I believe that women have the right to understand how their body works. Yes, we do. I mean, this is in tandem with professionals, Mm. but just having a basic knowledge of, I can list a few resources of some podcasts of some books. I can give you some places to start where you can start understanding how your body works. Then When you're in communication with your professionals, when they're speaking to you, all of a sudden, it's not like you're just sitting there clueless. You're like, okay, now I can even start to formulate some questions Mm -hmm. and to dialogue and feel more empowered, uh, like an empowered participant in my healing journey, rather than feeling like, more of, I'm just sitting here hoping someone comes and saves me Mm -hmm. because as much as we would love that. And I mean, I was there too. Like I was desperately hoping someone magical would show up and save me, Mm -hmm. but really I had to be a very active participant in my healing journey and had to take quite a bit of ownership of the research and understanding and reading the books and listening to the podcast and trying the things and going to the professionals. Mm -hmm. And so that was a really powerful first step for me of just giving myself permission to really take that level of in my healing. Mm-hmm. Then I was mm-hmm. able to reach out to, I always recommend a pelvic floor physical therapist or a pelvic floor occupational therapist. They're mm-hmm. going to be able to help you understand exactly what's going on internally because everything from hyper to hypotension, meaning the muscles can be really, really tight in the pelvic floor. And not release, which can cause some symptoms, or the pelvic floor can just not be engaging enough, which can also cause some symptoms, and so even knowing where your starting place is is so empowering, and so you kind of need someone to help you with that internal work, and it is not nearly as scary as it sounds. they are mm. so compassionate, they are so kind, and most of them are just incredibly sensitive to that 's why they 're in this line of work, mm. and so I know that initial you know, picking up the phone to make that kind of an appointment can be mm-hmm. absolutely terrifying. Um, it can be terrifying because it can feel like a na- nail in the coffin. Like, even if I'm terrified that I'm broken, but mm-hmm. unless a professional has really like told me for sure, there's that little bit of hope of maybe I'm not. And so there's that fear. If I go to a professional, they'll be like, for sure you're broken, like mm-hmm. best of luck. And so you know they're not going to tell you that you're broken they're going to say this is your starting point and this is you know these are some tools we're going to try to work through and start seeing how your body responds and then start seeing what's working what's not and really be able to develop a really specific plan for that person
0: Mm. okay yeah is there anything i mean i'm sort of not a big fan of the like here's the golden rules for shoulds and shouldn'ts but are are there certain movements that like really hand on heart, you would say a new parent shouldn't even be attempting. I I'm thinking of all the people who are like, all right, I've got ab separation, I've got to do some crunches, I've got this. Yes. So like, is there anything that sort of like, broadly speaking, is in like it's a guideline, not a policy? Is there yeah. anything the kind of like, no, this is off the
1: table from? I definitely think crunches and planks and things that are really intensely core moves. Or can bring put a lot of pressure on the pelvic floor, you have to have a really strong recruitment strategy, like intentional. Mm -hmm. So, I am not, like you said, I'm not a big fan of like these are bad and these are good, but there are definitely, I think, sit ups, push ups, crunches. Those are moves that basically are really intense Mm -hmm. and you can absolutely do them with a really strong recruitment strategy, but I would say you'd probably want a coach to help you get to that point, someone Mm -hmm. who is kind of holding your hand as far as, okay, how are you getting into that move? How are you recruiting your core? Is there causing a lot of pressure in the abdominal, in the pelvic floor? Okay, let's dial that in like gradually and then get you to that point. So, yeah.
0: (laughs) So I think that's good to kind of just have as a background thing, because I think sometimes, you know, the kind of fitness industry is very mm, hyper-masculinized Anyway, a lot of the research, I think that's, it's something even that I didn't really know about until I started looking into it for myself. I had no idea how much of the research was based on men and men's bodies. And so I think taking it back to that point of, you know, knowing how your own body works and understanding your own body, it is worth having a broad sort of, just keep it in mind that a lot of the information that's out there is based on men and men's bodies, right? Mm
1: -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we'll name that up. (laughs) So in terms of for the birth worker who is maybe doing a lot of the mental work, hopefully is doing, if you're in this podcast, you should be like definitely on the board with thinking about doing your own trauma work, thinking about how you're showing up in your own body, but let's get to the actual, like physically showing up in your own body is in sitting with trauma, embodying it moving it shifting it what have you got for us this is exciting (laughs) stuff for me it is anyway
1: (laughs) I absolutely love this work because I I just I have had I had for my own births and so my birth workers I just I remember them so intensely like they are so interwoven into my birth experience and I just feel like they're God sends. they were just so power they were just such powerful players in my own stories and so when I moved into doing some part time doula work and I was this is my story that kind of got me into really being passionate about supporting birth workers is I went to a birth and it was a long birth it was like a 36 hour it started out as a home birth wound up being a transfer Everything was fine. It just took a very long time to get there. And the birth photographer knew what I was doing and knew who I was and like my background. And she leaned over probably like 10 hours into the process. And she said like, my lower back is always killing me after Mm. these births. Like we could see like it was, we're going to be there a while. We're committed. And I nodded and I was like, I totally understand. And I just gave her a few tweaks. I'm like, be mindful of this. Why don't you try this? And we wound up having to do real quick transfer. So the birth photographer jumped in my car while we drove to the hospital. Everything turned out beautifully. We're driving home at you know, five in the morning like mm-hmm. it is. And she looks at me. She says, my back is always killing me after these labors. And I feel amazing. She says, my back doesn't even hurt. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, this is what I can do. <laughs> and so I have started doing more like in-person workshops and um serving a lot of the birth community that's local to me but I was like birth work is such a physical job and yeah yeah, it's it's also emotional and it's also spiritual like it's really it's again we are one body so it Mm. is a lot for every part of us Mm -hmm. and so I was really passionate about what I coach a lot of my birth workers in is this embodiment piece because we talk about birth Basically I tell I look them in the eye and say, You know exactly what to do because it's exactly what you tell your clients to do Mm. and it's what you don't give yourself permission to do. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) Mm -hmm. I talk about we talk about how, you know, birth goes so much better for the mom if she can change positions Mm. and she can listen to her body, she can tune into what it's doing, and she can honor what it's signaling her. If she needs to go on hands and knees, if she needs to switch sides, if she needs to walk around, like Those are the types of things that help the labor progress in a really healthy way. It helps them stay embodied and in tuned with their, their, their work that they're doing. And, you know, I, I tell my birth workers, I'm like, you are so in tune with your clients. Mm -hmm. Like you're listening to how they breathe you're watching their facial expressions. Like you're picking up on all these little cues because you're seeing like, are they in the zone? Are they starting to lose their zone? Are they starting to, you know, maybe fight and resist? Are they starting to panic? Like we're hmm. really tuning in because we want to pick up on that before it, you know, goes too far. Like we are got to kind of see that initially. And so birth workers are so in tune with their client. And I believe there's this, almost this lie that if you are not giving 100% of your attention mentally and physically and emotionally to your client, somehow you're selling them short. Like you're Mm -hmm. not serving them to your fullest capacity. And so any amount of self-embodiment, self-connection feels like a disservice to their client. And so there's almost this internal resistance to even what I'm about to say, Mm -hmm. because it doesn't feel like it is the best service to their client. But we all know this. We all know like what I like to zoom out and say is how do you coach your new mamas with their baby? Because there's that tendency to Mm. everything's about the baby and there's such a lack of self-care and we coach Mm. our mamas like, hey, if you don't take care of yourself, you're not going to have anything to give to that baby and it's okay. To take a shower. It's okay mm. to take a nap. It's okay to just stop and make sure you're drinking and you're eating and taking care of yourself. So this mm. is where I'm like, there's so many parallels in birth. Workers just <laughs> gonna look at me and they're like, yes, I know. Uh, yep. <laughs> so I'm like, in a birth, what if you could create a few rituals where you're in a habit of checking in with your own body? Mm-hmm. Of whether it is you give like a, l- a few like hip circles where you kind of almost like you're wearing a tiny little hula hoop where you can move your pelvis and get your back, you know, just kind of work out any of the kinks every now and then, even reaching up over your head and doing a few side bends, like just whatever it is that helps you connect with your body, do a quick check in. How am I feeling in my body? Mm-hmm. How am I doing? Am I feeling any, you know, this internal like building up of tension? Can I just kind of meet myself where I'm at there, work it out? It's literally like a 10 second practice. It's yeah, not something yeah. where it's like I need to leave this birth and do a half hour yoga session. I'll be back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and this is again honoring that these small shifts really make a massive impact, and they matter. Yeah, they do. So, so my many of my clients, it's like okay, if I can make a ritual, if I can do a habit of. Between contractions, I do this little check-in, a little tiny ritual, a few things that will serve me and my body, then I'm back in the zone.
0: I'm Mm -hmm. back in
1: the space. But and then I can catch these little tiny signals because a lot of my birth workers will tell me, I will have an amazing experience with the birth. Even some of like my clients will say, like, I have chronic pain. Like I hurt all the time except Mm -hmm. when I'm out of birth. (laughs) All of a sudden it's disappeared. And to Mm -hmm. me, that's a signal of complete disembodiment. Like, mm-hmm. like I am so not in my body, and I am so present with you, and yet then they leave that birth, and they feel like they get hit with a ton of bricks. Like yes, wow, that was rough. Mm. That was a lot. Like either it's a headache, it's back pain, it's feet pain, it's everything pain, um, achiness, like soreness, and you know even like hunger, thirst, all of this, where it's like my body, I was so disconnected from what what I was getting signaled that all of a sudden now it's hitting me massively. Mm. So I love to talk about not like these are the five exercises you should do, but more like let's use movement as an embodiment tool so that you can stay connected to yourself. Then you don't necessarily have to experience that ton of breaks. Yes, birth is hard. I'm not saying like, Oh, magically, like you're going to feel like you just woke up from an amazing nap. But you will feel so much more connected and it won't be a ton of bricks, which I think mm. is really powerful.
0: Yeah, I think so too, because I think there is absolutely that tendency to go into a birth and you're on and we're not meant to be on like go, 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 go. Just it's, it's like the accelerator. And then it's like the accelerators are on and then you crash into a tree. <laughs> There's ways to like put the brakes on throughout the process that isn't, as you say, it's not ignoring your client. It's not, you know, removing yourself from the situation, but it's doing like check ins to make sure that you are actually still present in the moment. And I think that becomes, I've talked about this before, it becomes especially important when things do start to unfold in a way that makes your brain go, oh, I've seen this tree before. And for some people, it might be a tone. It might be, a type of presentation oh there's you know like um shoulder dystocia i think is a really like it's not necessarily a common thing but it's a common place where i hear of people go back and they don't consciously go back but their brain goes oh i know what this is i know what the protocol for this is but also it goes back into that muscle memory of how did you think before how did you behave before how did you hold your body before And so, so, you know, emergency situations or even just situations where your brain sort of flips back into the like, yeah, same tree, same story, same response. And I think I've had so many people lately talking about the, I didn't even know I did that until you mentioned that I did it. I'm like, yeah, we all do it. It's like your brain thinking it's been really helpful going, here's the file for that. Here you go. And unless you take yourself back to the, no, this is this birth, this is this parent this is this day this is this hospital this is this whatever it's very 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 easy to slip back into an old response and part of that I think can be the freeze like the literally freezing <laughs> like uh, something's happened holding your whole body almost holding your breath and then forgetting to come back into it so that is super 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 important for people mm. okay Give me some, hmm, we've talked a little bit about backache and things like that, but have you got, I suppose, tricks, hints, tips, I don't know. It makes it sound like more magical than it is. <laughs> For people when they are sort of stuck in that almost freeze state, or if you're in a situation where maybe you've got a birthing person who's really, really exhausted, and you're sort of just trying to keep their body moving, So if you are the person just, you know, like rocking their legs back and forth a bit or massaging a bit and you're starting to kind of like lock up, what are some things that people can be doing that's kind of subtle just to sort of get you out of that freeze slash locked sort of state?
1: Yeah, I love to bring awareness to the pelvis and how we move from the pelvis or we don't move from the pelvis. So one simple way that i like to talk about this intentional movement of doing things on purpose to support your body and it is again not the separate exercise but it's understanding a little bit about how your body works and knowing how you can support it so it's a self advocacy it's a self understanding is understanding how we bend over because a lot of birth work it's you know it's a lot of upper body stuff mm. and it's a lot of bending over and so if you think of how we bend, a lot of times we'll bend at the waist. So if you think like you're going to curl down to touch your toes, the spine is doing a lot of the movement, which in and of itself, again, I'm not labeling anything bad. That is not supportive long-term mm-hmm. because it's not utilizing the big beefy muscles you have in the back side of your body. The back of your legs are these hamstrings and they're awesome and huge. And then you've got your glutes on your butt. And then the back is designed to stabilize the spine. And so... I like to talk people through it's interesting on a podcast, but I'm going to talk people through this <laughs> is if you go into a real mini squat, like you just hinge a little bit at the waist. If you let a lot of times we'll let our toes drift over our, our knees drift over our toes. And when our knees drift over our toes, if people are standing, they can try this with me. They'll feel feel the front of their legs kick on the front mm-hmm. of the legs are there to activate and make sure they don't fall over. If you shift your pelvis back so that your knees are stacked over your ankles. Now we're recruiting the back side of the body. Mm. Now we bring our awareness to our spine and a lot of times we'll kind of curve into that C position. But if instead we hinge at the waist where instead of our tailbone pointing towards the ground, our tailbone untucks a little bit and we come into that pelvis a little bit untucked position. Now the spine is opening up a little bit. And then we travel a little bit up to the rib cage. When we come into this position, a lot of times the rib cage can want to fall towards the floor. Mm -hmm. So then we have this really deep arch in our back. So just inviting the rib cage back into your body. So the pelvis has still got this gentle untuck, but the rib cage is in our body rather than collapsing towards the floor. This is a very strong position to be supporting your clients in. Not because the other position is bad, but because here we're utilizing our very large supportive muscles that are designed for more of that long-term, like more of a marathon environment Mm -hmm. rather than the front of our body, which we do tend to gravitate towards using the front of our body. But when we can shift back and use the back of our body, it's more supportive for long-term. So even, it's really interesting. So when you think of mindful movement, You don't often think of stress and anxiety and emotions, but there was a study that was actually done that shows when you pay attention to how you are moving, you will lower your stress and anxiety. Mm -hmm. So this embodiment work of me even checking in of how am I moving? How am I standing? How am I holding my body real quick? It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be like a three hour monologue in your head, but just creating a few check in points. How, where's my pelvis? Where's my rib cage? Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm going to be in a really strong position. Now I'm back in the moment that in and of itself, that practice, which again, plays into what I was saying before is we are not all these different separate compartments. Mm -hmm. This is a, it's an, it's a physical check-in that supports your emotional well-being, which I just trip out about. This is what I love about my work because it's so powerful. Mm. Now that you've done this physical check-in without even having to go through five different checklists, just that one, you now are supporting all the other aspects of your body. So that is one of the ways that I coach my clients on supporting themselves in the middle of a birth. love
0: that because it's just, it's practical, it's useful. It's, some of this is, it's about habit forming, I suppose, and making new habits. So another one that I like to talk about was one to kind of finish off is I often think about the birth worker who's getting into their car. And I think the place, the car is often the place where things just slowly start to like <laughs> let go. And I know a lot of people listen to this when they're driving. So If there was kind of one thing you could suggest that's something to start pairing with the like, let's say they're like, oh, I forgot to do all of that. But now I'm in my car and I'm about to drive off because that's where I like to kind of try and hit people with the like, all right, hands on the wheel. And then you go, ah, yeah, I didn't do any of that. What's something (laughs) that someone could like realistically, I have a few ideas, but let's just add to the, you know, resources, I suppose. Something that someone could do in the car. If they're literally sitting here now about to go to work, they've finished birth, they're on their way to the birth, wherever it might be. That's your little bubble. There's not a lot of room, but is there something, a suggestion that you might have for just a, ah, all right, I'm in my car. Now what?
1: Just one thing. Um, I'll give you two. I'll give you one super practical, physical one, and then one more <laughs> like, you know, getting into my woo-woo side. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to sitting and supporting the body, we, a lot of times, especially in the car, I don't know why car seats are designed this way but the back tends to be lower than the front. Mm. So the backside, it almost kind of forces you into this really tucked under position where you're sitting more on your tailbone. Mm-hmm. And then the back has to curve to accommodate that, which can really cause some crankiness in the lower back. Mm. So I always keep a towel rolled up in my car and I shove it in that corner so that I can sit more on my sit bones, which if you were to travel up the femur, the big leg bones, to either side of the pelvis you'll see you'll feel you might have to dig for them but i promise you they're there the big bony protrusions on the pelvis which is what we're designed to sit on so those bones are designed to carry the weight the uh, tailbone is actually in a um it's a joint. So we'll see Mm -hmm. a lot of times in birth, the tailbone pops up Mm -hmm. because it's designed to have that mobility. It doesn't have as much mobility when you're not giving birth, but it still does. So when you're putting all that pressure on your tailbone, it's not helpful to, especially if you have anything going on in the pelvic floor or the lower back, it can cause that additional crankiness. Mm -hmm. So even when you go to sit in the car, like choosing with intention, like I can sit in a way that's supportive to me as I'm doing whatever I'm doing anyway And honoring yourself in that way and choosing to, I mean, it's weird. Like everyone who gets in my car, like holds up the towels, like, what is this? And they throw it into the back because they're like, this is just weird. But it's my way of one, honoring my body. And two, like choosing to prioritize myself in a very Mm. simple way. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: even psychologically choosing that in that moment can be, can kind of set you up to continue making those choices throughout the rest of the day. Mm. so even if it's like I just didn't even pay attention to myself in that birth and now I, I do feel that like ton of bricks oh look there's my towel it's already mm. in my car I'm gonna yeah. choose right now to stick that in the corner and now my pelvis is sitting in a very relaxed but supportive space and I can just drive home knowing that even if I stop thinking entirely I'm still doing something to support myself
0: mm-hmm. so I
1: love that and two just having a simple mantra while you do something physical, even for a couple seconds. So like before you even sit in your car, doing a couple hula hoops with your hips or doing a couple of arm stretches or doing something before you even sit down, again, can trigger that I matter and I'm embodied, I'm in this space, and it doesn't have to be that I do this for. 30 minutes. It doesn't have to be that I even remember anything for the rest of the day, but I'm going to do this one thing, this one time, even if it's for 30 seconds. And I can just kind of down regulate in that moment, knowing like I'm honoring my body in the space and it doesn't have to be perfect. Some kind of mantra like that, where mm. it can be honoring to yourself and knowing it doesn't have to be perfect. And every day, every birth from now on, but they are
0: super simple things. And I'm a big fan of pairing something that you're already doing. It might be turning on a light switch. It might be when you go to the toilet. It might be yep, when you sit in your car and your hands on the wheel. That's your check in to go, all right, just check in. And I love mm-hmm. the thing with the towel because I always imagine birth workers have towels in their car anyway. <laughs> like, you know, they just carry them around for years and, years and years and years and years to come because you're like, you never know. You never know. <laughs> exactly. I love it um is there anything we didn't cover that you wanted to cover
1: I would just say that learning to do the work like you always talk about as far as asking yourself the questions and being comfortable with exploring them and not having to feel like you have to do everything perfectly at once is just a really good reminder whether you're a postpartum mama or a birth worker that um is wanting to maybe live a little bit more embodied, a little bit more in their skin. The fitness industry, especially really pushes this, like, there's no excuses. And Mm. if you have time for this, you should have time for that. And there's so much shame um, Mm -hmm. motivating, especially when it comes to fitness. And that just makes me angry. Um, Mm, So I'm here waving my little flag saying, like, there is no shame. It is a journey. It is a process. And any little thing that you do when 100% counts. Like it counts and it matters and it makes an impact. And so, not minimizing the towel in the car, not minimizing the couple stretches that you're doing, not minimizing sitting on the floor with your kid instead of sitting on the couch. Like you made a choice there and it was a big choice and it matters. And now you're getting extra mobility in your hips. And that's amazing. Um, And so really when it comes to fitness, like just being really intentional about what messaging you allow to be in front of you and Mm -hmm. like, especially like who's on your Instagram feed, who's on your Facebook feed. And if it makes you feel smaller and less than and and yucky inside, maybe think about um, not following those people and really being intentional with like celebrating the small things and finding people who will do that with you.
0: Mm -hmm. I think that's, there's some really gold nuggets in there. And it often is in the simple things that we are forgetting, especially in the time that we're in now. I think that's another thing we talked about before is just remembering that survival mode is a real thing. Mm-hmm, and if the best absolutely. you can do is just get up and move a bit, whatever a bit looks like, like not setting yourself up for the time of self actualizing <laughs> Yes at the moment so yeah i think that's really grounded and helpful and hopefully gives people a sense of walking away not feeling like oh yep here's yet more stuff i need to do here's more things i'm not doing to add to my list of you know they're just never ending list because this is the thing too like i often see that world which is well-meaning but it is it's hyper masculinized also in the sense that there's sometimes this sense of like Here's a goal and then you tick it off and then you tick it off and then what? Like you just come up with another goal. Like it is a lifelong practice. It's not like a a thing to tick off a list. We've got enough of that going on.
1: So Mm -hmm.
0: is there anything you want to plug that you're doing offering?
1: Oh, sure. I am Erin Underwood movement. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and that's my website, Erin Underwood movement. I am offering I have like a four-week pelvic floor and core like online class so if anyone really is interested in starting to move in a way that's supportive to that that would be a really powerful place to start and then I also have the thriving birth worker movement method which really focuses on supporting birth workers through this movement practice so it's building strength but it's also the emotional side of things too using moment movement to support your nervous system and practice down regulation and all kinds of really fun somatic work so it's um it's a really fun I poured a lot of my heart and soul into that and it's been really powerful just hearing some of the testimonies from that so I my website's the place where you can find everything
0: cool love it thank you so much for getting us out of our heads a little bit (laughs) and back into body it's um super 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 important and i think it's yeah it's very easy to kind of go oh yeah that's common sense stuff we all know that but some of this i think is going to be reminders for people too that it's like we're not reinventing the wheel but we're just taking things back to the if you want this to be lifelong work and not something that you burn out of in 18 to 24 months because your nervous system just becomes way too overwhelmed with the on-off yay crash yay crash there's a lot of that going on at the moment so i think that'll be helpful so thank you
1: thank you aaron i just love your work and so appreciate what you're doing here oh
0: thank you take time to move today's conversation through your body get up go for a walk have a shower dance in your kitchen do something to shift any tension that might have come up and just notice it right i've been doing this work for over a decade so if you want therapy or coaching or mentoring or something of that description in the trauma and perinatal area we can totally work together go to dr or at dr on instagram you can also find the links for my online birth trauma courses there too there are literally hundreds very very close to thousands of students who've been and we are a strong compassionate lot (laughs) we would love to have you join us hope is a doing word my hope is that warm empathic intuitive workers will stay in birth but we need to do something take a big step and work on some of the fears that you have to stay in the helping and healing professions you need to level up your self-care and support and if you are struggling to even do human 101 with your sleep nourishment rest and so on how are you going to serve anyone you owe it to yourself and the people that you serve to make sure that your cup is running over and you are thriving so again reach out to me if you need dr or at dr on instagram thank you for making the time for yourself to feel uncomfortable and grow and learn from that i thank you so much for allowing me to speak my passions